The podcast of this local government meeting is brought to you by Michigan Radio. For more coverage of local government meetings and to find out how you can support this service, go to michiganradio.org. regular meeting of the Lather Village City Council. Uh, Madam Clerk, will you please uh, do roll call? Roll call. Mayor Garrett. Present. Mayor Pro Tem Cantor. Here. Council Member Jennings. Here. Council Member Kinez. Here. Council Member Miller. Here. Madam Mayor, you have a quorum. Thank you. I invite everyone in um, the audience and on Zoom to stand and say the Pledge of Allegiance. Pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. We need uh, a motion for the approval of the agenda. I'll make a motion to approve the agenda with the addition of uh, action item D, uh, tower uh, direction of, what do I call it, direction of, of uh, tower. Oh. Oh, please. Can you give me one of those microphones because they're still not having the audio? Recording in progress. I know, I know, I know. So we'll just kind of make this work until we can get it to work, okay? So you ready? Can you hear us now? Oh, maybe not because I have you on mute. Can you hear us now? Arvin, thank you. Okay, great. Go ahead. All right, so I'll make a motion to approve the agenda with the addition of uh, cell to uh, item D and the action items of, of cell tower direction to staff. Uh, second. No, I think oh. before you do that, there was also, um, don't you want C off? Uh, yeah, and also, uh, oh, yeah, tabling table item C. C. We also have um, Senator Moss in before the uh, consent agenda. Okay, and I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll just make the motion again. Make Thank the motion to, to add under action items, uh, uh, action item D, uh, cell tower direction to staff, and removing the current uh, item number C, holding uh, council meetings in the community room, and then also adding uh, uh, Senator Moss what did you say before the? Um, I'm thinking before consent the agenda. consent agenda. Yeah. Uh, between uh, items number four and number five on the existing agenda. Is there a second? Second. Has it been moved and second? Is there any discussion? Hearing none, roll call, please. Roll call. Councilmember Jennings? Yes. Mayor Pro Tem Cantor? Yes. Councilmember Kanez? Yes. Councilmember Miller? Yes. Mayor Garrett? Yes. Motion carried to approve the agenda. Thank you. And I'm being kind, so I moved you up. <laughs> uh, good afternoon, Mayor, Council, Administration. Uh, I'm Jeremy Moss, the state senator for Laker Village and have been the uh, state legislator in Laker Village for the past eight years. Um, I will say this, uh, you know, nobody would be here if they didn't care about Laker Village. The members of Council and Mayor, uh, are volunteering their time to be here because they care about this community. Uh, the administration is here making a career out of it because they care about this community and the residents are here because 
about this community. As somebody who has represented Laser Village for eight years, this is a wonderful community to be in. Um, and I served on the neighboring city council uh, in Southfield, and we certainly went through our fair share of challenges and uh, had uh, certainly large personalities when I served on there. Uh, and one of the things that brought us together as a council was investing in our community. And so that's what I'm here to do, bring you dollars from the state so that you can debate on how to spend it uh, in this community and invest in the people here uh, and invest in, in the community in Lathrop Village. And so I wanted to start with some of the great things that we've been actually able to do uh, in the state of Michigan and state Senate uh, to come together as Republicans and Democrats to pass budgets uh, using relief dollars from the federal uh, government uh, to direct back home here in Lathrop Village. So uh, as was mentioned earlier, we did pass a $4 billion uh, <laughs> supplemental. The money is coming to Lathrop Village. Uh, and so I want to talk a little bit about the top lines on that. But last year, we did pass a balanced budget that Lathrop Village was a big winner in. And, and I worked alongside the state representative, Kyra harris Bolden. We're full partners uh, in delivering for Lathrop Village. Uh, and some of you may have received our infrastructure postcard in the mail uh, that talks about some of the money that is coming back home. And specifically, uh, we delivered $548,602, down to the dollar, I can tell you what came, uh, for roads here in Lathrop Village. Uh, additionally, uh, State Rep. Holden and I worked with the administration and, 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 and uh, the elected officials here uh, to get a $200,000 line item in a, in a comprehensive state budget that was no small feat for Lathrop Village's uh, storm ditch system to prevent um, massive flooding during a major storm event. Uh, and we know that you're utilizing those dollars to invest in the infrastructure here for the benefit of the residents. And then the governor uh, approved of the application of a grant, which we allocated for $232,135 uh, to improve the drinking water here. So uh, we've been able to take dollars that could have gone anywhere else uh, and direct them to Lathrop Village. Uh, that was from last year's regular budget. Uh, we also passed, as was mentioned, I don't think the gentleman's still here, uh, a $4 billion infrastructure uh, supplemental budget. So this is a mid-year budget where we were taking the remainder of our, of our federal support to direct back home. I have the top lines, and hopefully in the future I can come back and say what's coming here back home. But, I mean, this stuff really paid for a lot of things we depend upon, including housing, and lead line replacement and drinking water and clean water uh, infrastructure uh, and remedying PFAS um, and uh, helping out with parks and trails uh, all across the state. Um, and so I can get some top lines on that, but we've been doing a lot in the state of Michigan dealing with housing and infrastructure across party lines. And that's something that I've kind of been leading the charge on. Uh, and some of you also might've received my other uh, mailer uh, from the state on some of the things we've been working on. Um, so not only roads, but it's housing. Um, and so there is an act right now in the state of Michigan called the Neighborhood Enterprise Zone Act. And what it does is it allows a community, um, should I pause while it catches up? It just oh, sorry. <laughs> it's being recorded, right? Go ahead. All right, I'll continue. I see myself right here. Yeah, I was gonna um, say, I still see it. So, uh, housing is important. You know, in the 1960s, Southfield and Lathrop was 
was Michigan fastest growing area since about 50, 60 years ago. And now 50, 60 years later, direct dollars towards housing renewal. Uh, everything was new, new, new in the 60s. And now we need to give uh, support to residents to be able to upgrade their home. So there's an act called the Neighborhood Enterprise Zone Act that communities utilize to identify some of its more distressed streets and distressed neighborhoods um, so that the, the homeowners or home buyers can go to the city uh, and ask for tax relief, property tax relief, as they take those savings and reinvest it into their home. Uh, due to certain metrics, Lakeshore Village doesn't qualify for this program, but I am trying to make it so every community in Michigan qualifies uh, to identify a neighborhood enterprise zone act, including Lakeshore Village. When I was on the Southfield City Council, we uh, identified two of our, our areas in the city to help our homeowners get a little bit more cash relief so that they could put in the new roof that they've been waiting for, upgrade the siding, uh, fix the frontage. Uh, and so I have a bill that's part of a bipartisan housing coalition uh, to give local communities more tools to relieve taxes, to institute tax credits, to give tax savings to homeowners so they can invest it into their home. I'm going to have an op-ed, I think, this week in Cranes, Detroit about it, uh, along with uh, a Republican senator that I serve with, this is a bipartisan package. Um, and, and we'll share more details, but we're trying to give housing tools uh, to our residents to have some, some dollars to put into home improvements. So that's infrastructure and that's housing. Um, I'll touch on maybe a couple different other areas that I'm working on, still bipartisan. It's amazing, we can get things, we can get things done. You hear about the, the fights and, and things from Lansing, but there are some uh, glimmer of hope. Uh, and one of the things that had it not been for the pandemic, we would have been on a roll with criminal justice reform. Uh, and so in the 90s, we were very punitive in our criminal justice. We realized that punitive justice doesn't work, restorative justice does. And so we have been um, trying to do everything we can to ensure that once somebody uh, pays their debt to society, that we don't just keep them in this vicious cycle uh, and, and prevent them from having opportunities to fully participate in our economy. So we have made it easier to expunge uh, certain offenses. We have uh, changed the age, the, minim the minimum age for somebody to be sentenced as an adult from 17 to 18 makes all the difference. We want our 17-year-olds serving hard time with hardened criminals. Um, we want to give them a chance to write their course. And one of the bills that I had in this bipartisan effort uh, to reform our justice system is allowing those who have had a criminal record uh, but have paid their debt and want to get out of the system to have an easier time to get a job license from the state of Michigan. So before my bill was signed into law, uh, you, the state of Michigan could deny someone a job license just based on their criminal conviction. And it was kind of um, a, a counterintuitive thing that we were training prisoners for jobs that the state knew that they wouldn't be able to license them after their incarceration. So we reformed that definition of good moral character. You would be slammed as not having good moral character if you had a past conviction. Um, we re refined that definition so that your criminal conviction in and of itself cannot be a reason to prevent you from having a job license here in the state of Michigan. 
Um, so we kind of like brought all political spectrum together from the, the right who wanted to ease bureaucracy and people getting job licenses to the left of people who really want to see criminal justice. For and so. I'll add that I wanted to help local communities continue with virtual meetings. I was a, I was a supporter of all that. We didn't have the votes for it, so. While we're waiting, Jeremy, the timing is great because your $200,000 grant, the work started today. Great. That's good to see. Yes, we're so excited about it. Yes. Perfect. Go ahead, because it's on now. Go ahead. Perfect. So I, I, you know, I'll just close with, you know, there are changes coming to how uh, there are proposed changes to how we vote everywhere, from how you register to vote to how your vote is tallied. Some of them, as our clerk knows, is just kind of um, counterintuitive to the processes. One of them, especially, you know, I'll give two examples uh, so people can digest what we're talking about. Because you hear a lot about voter suppression, but you, I want you to know the mechanics of what's being proposed. Uh, one of them is in order to uh, request an absentee ballot, uh, one of the things that was an early proposal was that you would have to include more information to prove who you said you were to get an absentee ballot application, including putting the last four digits of your social security number on the form. Now, clerk does not have access to a voter's social security number. It's not required to be in the voter file. So you'd be giving sensitive personal information to someone who has nothing that they're able to do with it all in the name of you know voter security but it it, it, it doesn't do anything and then uh, on election day itself so maybe you don't want to vote absentee you want to go into the polls uh one of the earlier proposals was even if you signed in you had your id with you nobody else named jeremy moss voted that day i'm showing up i have my id it says who i am it looks like me i'm there uh if my signature in the poll book 
didn't match what the volunteer there says was on the file. They don't have to be trained in signature verification to be a, um, an election volunteer. Uh, they could deny you a ballot that would count. They'd issue a provisional ballot and on the back end that might not end up being uh, counted, even if you had your picture ID. Um, and so these are challenges that we're dealing with. The, the governor will not sign these into law to, to, to limit people's access to their ballot. Obviously, there are petitions out there that are trying to achieve the same effect. Uh, I have long been a proponent of trying to strengthen the petition process to restore honesty in the petition process. Someone who has a petition is not compelled to tell you the truth. Um, and we're trying to disincentivize bad behavior. And I've introduced legislation to do so, to hold uh, a, a petitioner accountable for if they are telling you a lie, you know, we, we would want to throw out their petitions. I mean, that would be the penalty. You tell someone a lie, you're caught telling them a lie, then the petitions that you've collected just won't count. Um, we've also tried to change the process by which a petition can be adopted by the legislature. Not all ballot proposals go to the voters to vote on. You might be signing something thinking you'll eventually be voting on it. It's not always the case. A majority of the legislature can three-fourths a broader consensus of the legislature in order to take the power away from the people to weigh on a ballot proposal and give it to the legislature. Um, so uh, we're facing challenges in Lansing uh, on voting rights, um, but I am on the front lines uh, protecting everybody's access to their ballot so that they can participate fully in our democracy. Um, so that's my update, uh, and uh, I'm happy to take any questions. I'm, I'm sure uh, I'm sure there's a lot going on in Lansing that you might uh, have some thoughts and ideas and questions about. And I'm happy to, to engage on that. The neighborhood, what was it called? The neighborhood something? Else? Neighborhood Enterprise Zone. And so certain communities based on population, based on poverty metrics, qualify. And it's been a really successful program in Southfield. I had a bill signed into law to even strengthen it. So right now, uh, a city can identify uh, a neighborhood that's distressed that needs a little bit more support for the residents and uh, the uh, a home valued at uh, 80 frozen again a uh, home valued at $80,000 or less uh, would have qualified for support we've bumped that number up to $120,000 or less we've hooked it up to inflation so that so that we ensure that our our lowest valued homes our homes that are most most challenged um, in seeking this support for investment, um, we're able to have the city to allow the tax, the, the, the homeowner to receive property tax relief while they make investments uh, into that property. And so we're trying to make every community enjoy what Southfield and other communities have enjoyed. So how are you guys working on the metrics? Because I'm familiar with it in the tax zone and like, there's just no way whatever we we don't want to have we don't want to have we want to have every community in the state of Michigan uh, to be able to to use and utilize this act. So no 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 barriers to a city to participate in, in the act. Okay. Okay. Yep. So we got we got this bill out of the Senate. It is now in the House. Uh, we're supposed to have a House hearing on it amongst many other tools that we're trying to give to local units of government to establish credits, 
uh, established payment in lieu of taxes, other flexible programs um, that a city can utilize to partner with the homeowner to meet the homeowner where they are. You know, maybe they they're, they're, they could be house poor, you know, they be able to stay in the home, but not able to make any upgrades uh, to the home. We want to meet the homeowner where they are. How can we relieve you of some of these expenses so that you can invest in your property uh, and, and bring the home value up? The home, your home is your most uh, significant part of your financial portfolio. And, and as property values increase, you should be able to enjoy that. Um, and, and we want to make sure that you have the financial resources. Uh, to uh, to invest uh, in your home and make those upgrades. If it, if it was to pass, we, would council still have the liberty to choose the zones? Yep, so council would have the authority to identify the zones uh, and then the homeowner would be able to work case by case with the city treasurer, the city assessor uh, to, to, to make those upgrades, come back with the receipts. You know, you have to say, I, I'm gonna do this if you relieve this. So a home, homeowner by homeowner could work with the city. Um, that's how we did it in Southfield um, in order to say, here's what I need. And then the city treasurer and assessor will say, here's what we can do. But right now, a city is not, does not have the authority to do that. Does not have, and the city does not have the authority to create these zones um, to do so. So we're, we're, we're on the final cusp. We're gonna have a house hearing uh, on these bills uh, and hopefully get it to the governor's desk for her approval. I've, be, I've become well versed with this neighborhood enterprise zone act. This is about my third bill now uh, in this in this act that we're trying to help home, homeowners with. And you get all that call from your treasures. Yes, yes, yes. It works really well there until it runs out. Yes. <laughs> yes. But we want to we want to give we want to give some relief to folks that uh, have overdue upgrades. Um, you know, I know this community is is an established community. It's been around for sixty plus years. Um, and, and it's taken its wear and tear, uh, and, and homeowners are looking for relief um, to be able to make those investments, and we want to make it possible. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Does anyone else have any other questions for Senator? Thank you. Great. Well, well, you. I'm around. You can always reach me at <laughs> senatormoss.com. That's my state website for email. For We're still dealing with people seeking unemployment assistance. Um, i got a whole landing page for that. So don't hesitate to reach out to me. Uh, I, I hope not to be going anywhere anytime soon. So I'm still here for later. <laughs> village. Thanks, Julie. Thank you. Um, now for the consent agenda, all items listed under the consent agenda are considered to be routine and not controversial by the city council and will be approved by one motion. There will be no separate discussion. If a discussion is desired, that item will be removed from the consent agenda and discussed separately immediately after the consent agenda approval and its normal sequence and the regular agenda. Did you have something you wanted to hold you here? Anyone else want to pull anything up? I'll make a motion to approve the consent agenda.
So whereas before these cases would be handled in, in one court date, now the court has given them an additional opportunity, sometimes two or three opportunities to appear, um, given unreliability with the mail, unfamiliarity with Zoom, although um, we still have an issue with this. Um, so these are taking a lot longer. And then bigger, bigger entities like Chase Bank or I don't know how big candy shop is, but uh, there, those notices that are being sent to those facilities are not getting whomever is necessary uh, in order to respond to them. So nobody's showing up. So we're getting judgments against Chase Bank, but but it's not registering any of the business. So that's been an ongoing problem. Uh, the way as Chief indicated, we're addressing that is by citing the on-site manager directly. Uh, that certainly gets their attention and hopefully will solve the problem. These unregistered parties. Okay. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. well, I'd like to make a motion to accept the police department's monthly report. I'll make a motion to accept the police department's monthly report. Any further discussion regarding it? Hearing none, roll call, please. Councilmember Miller? Yes. Mayor Garrett? Yes. Councilmember Jenny? Yes. Mayor Pro Tem Cantor? Yes. Councilmember Pinez? Yes. A couple of things it says interviews have taken place for the DGA and special projects manager position, and an offer has been made to start dated May 2nd. And then it says DDA staff will be traveling to Richmond, Virginia, May 15th to 19th for the National Main Street Conference. Uh, who is going to that? Uh, how does that come out of the DDA budget? What is the budget? What is the criteria? And what are the benefits for the uh, Those, it will be myself and the new employee. Um, we are, that is coming directly out of the DDA's budget. We did get a grant for one uh, registration through Main Street, Oakland County, and um, the uh, the overall budget for uh, meetings, trainings, etc. for the DDA is approximately five thousand dollars, and those expenses are based on the. DDA's uh, tax increment financing and development plan that was adopted back in 1998 when it was established. I I don't know if Jamar is uh, going to be attending. He's you know he's a county employee, so that's their decision. Because this is a fantastic conference for her to learn a whole lot about how main streets throughout the or throughout the country, how they operate. Um, it there are specific tracks for um, learning tracks for new new employees um, for. Um, or new, I should say, I shouldn't say employees, new um, Main Street managers and staff and board members. There are 
um, tracks for emerge, like, so emerging leaders, there are tracks for specifically for business development. There's a variety of things um, that I think are going to be extremely beneficial for her to learn and to become engaged with and to meet the entire Oakland County team. They will all be there. Um, we are a very close network of, of people. Um, and so I, it's important for her career development and growth and success in the city to attend this conference. Okay, and what's the benefit to the residents? Well, the benefit to the residents is our goal, our overarching goal is to create a more dynamic commercial district. And if the, the, more, uh, the more growth and success that we can bring to the commercial district will ultimately benefit the residents um, through increased tax values and better business mix. Something that you've attended in the past? Yes. Yes. And it is um, should we, should this, should the DDA, which we do, um, wish to move up um, into our um, Main Street? Oakland County has three different levels. Um, they're in the process of rebranding those levels, but essentially it's uh, select, affiliate, and associate. Should we wish to move up to the select level, which is our goal? Um, that will open us up to a significant amount of funding opportunities, and it is a requirement of both Main Street, Oakland County, and National Main Street that representatives of the DDA attend. Yep. Any other questions about the DDA report? Uh, I was going to ask one question. So you said the paving work and the sewer work was happening on the 18th. Did, um, I think that may have changed because of the okay. snow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like we're, we're whoever's going to be maybe inflicted by it, did they get like a, a letter or something? Or All yeah. residents were noticed that this is okay. the tentative start date. I mean, that's the date we're going right. for okay. with the big giant asterisks of okay. weather depending, you know, are we kind of. We're, you know, crossing all fingers, toes, you know, doing some eagle pose over here, trying to make sure that we were going to have good weather. It didn't work. <laughs> so, yeah, I would expect to see um, continued mobilization, though, uh, through the rest of the week and for for paving and sidewalks. Okay. Yes, yes. Better um, we need to make a motion. Right yeah. now. Oh. You can make a motion. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll make a motion to accept the uh, city administrator's report. Second. So, move and second. Is there any further discussion? Hearing none. Roll call, please. Mayor Jared? Yes. Councilmember Jennings? Yes. Mayor Pro Tem Cantor? Yes. Councilmember Tenez? Yes. Councilmember Miller? Yes. Motion carried. Thank you. Sorry. Um, disbursement report. No, disbursement report. Eight. Oh, okay. How did those get a little wet? What page? Page 147. There was payment to Giffels Webster when Cambridge gas main replacement for $150 and then East California gas main replacement $1,551 and then Wiltshire gas main replacement $969. Why Those are coming out of bonds. 
we get bonds from um, like the Cons consumers energy, any development project, um, they're required to give us a, a cash bond for their escrow. And so those are, those funds are actually coming out of those, those amounts, I'm sorry, are coming out of the associated escrow accounts for those projects. City of Berkeley, Sakama event, $751.40. What is that? Once a year, the city um, joins with um, other South, South Oakland County Mayor's Association. Association, and they join together. There's like three or four communities, and then we pay our part. Berkeley pays their part. Berkeley probably paid the whole thing, and we had to pay our part back. And that's just for mayors? Yes. Yes. Uh, VC3 Inc. Laptops for Council, $747. It's right under, if you go down one, two, three, four, under City of Berkeley, it's the fourth mm -hmm. one down. VC3. That's under technology. That's um, when they reprogrammed your computers for you guys to get your computers. Oh, that's not through IT, right? No, it is. Their billing now is VC3. Oh, okay. That's who bills us now. Okay. Um, page 148. Salaries part time, Kelly Services, accounting clerk one, $990. Accounting clerk one, $1,237.50. Accounting clerk temp, $1,237.50. That is when we had the temp in here um, after our employee was, um, our front counter employee was let go. We had to um, bring in a temp for a couple of weeks till we found somebody to replace that position. Okay. I think it was more than a couple of weeks. I think it was a month or two. Okay. Uh, Bottom of that page, SEMREO grant reimbursement, $982 and $5,358.65. Building grants, SEMREO grant reimbursement. Yes, we have two grants um, that we, we have been paying on. They're 0% um, interest grants. One was for the um, AVAC systems on the roofs, and the other one is for the uh, lighting system throughout the building. And we have been paying on those. One of them is paid off um, $982. Has, we have cleared that grant now, and the next grant, I think, has six more years on it. But it's interest-free money that we received, and they came in and replaced our lights and put, um, did some work on our HVAC systems on the roofs. Okay. And then page 150 under Downtown Development Authority, Faustina staff and DDA lunch, $250. What is that? Uh, the DDA typically buys lunch for its uh, board members as a sort of a thank you for volunteering their time. So we bought them lunch. We meet, we meet at lunchtime, so. How many people are on the board? 
uh, that was, well, there's nine people on the board. We did, we, it was, we, and then I offered to pay the 125. I owe you $125. I told mm -hmm. you that about that. Thanks for bringing that up. That's all right. It's, the, the remainder went as staff appreciation for uh, all of the administrative staff and the police officers that were on duty. Also under disbursement reports. Uh, page one sixty eight. Community center expenditures. What uh, what is that? Does that include trips work under general fund first line? Is that one sixty eight or one fifty eight? One sixty eight. The revenue and expense report. Community room expenditure has to do with um, some of the club's wages are taken out of there. Um, we also, some cleaning is taken out of there. There's also um, anything that has to be done within the kitchen is taken out of there. Any of our um, permits are taken out of there from the kitchen. There's just some miscellaneous, anything to do with community room. If we need new tables, it's taken out of that account. Um, anything that. Okay. Um, auditing, auditing and accounting, and you talked about that, talked about that before where you um, had gotten extra help. That doesn't include the temp that's listed as accounting and auditing work. That was that was a front counter person. That was not the okay, okay. that was not accounting at all. Okay. Well it says accounting on here. They, so. they were supposed to bring in an accountant person, but that's not what okay. that person was. Okay. Um, and then technology, $45,000, same page or yeah, same page 168, same section technology, technology. Mm -hmm. that is all of our BSNA software, um, our, um, our yearly fees for our BSNA software, our, um, yearly fees for, um, IT right that we have to pay though it's all the anything to do with technology goes into that account okay we broke that out it used to go into government operations and we broke it up from government operations because we were just okay. um PAPE or what's, what's the other one under yeah metrics is under there okay revise but not Unicode is under there revise all okay. those are in there okay I just, I just want to make sure that I'm looking at this correctly. What we're looking at for technology, this is what we budgeted for for the entire year, right? Mm -hmm. yes. And then we've only used 83% of it, which will be our uh, fiscal year ends, what, June 30th? June 30th. Mm -hmm. So we still have two months to use up the budget that we already planned last year, right? 
No, we're not going to use it. <laughs> I'm just saying, but we had already, my point is, yes. is that we already budgeted this. Right. And, okay, so this it's already been budgeted. The website yes. breaks. Yes, I just want to make sure that we're under budget. We're under at budget. At this point for the yes. technology. Yes, we are. Gotcha. And then last one is page 175. Repairs and maintenance. 19,500 and then we went up to 230,314. Can you remind me what that is? Oh, those are, um, those are, the DDA is undertaking our own uh, capital improvement expenditures. So that is, um, last year we did, uh, oh gosh, what did we do? We did some sidewalks, uh, we did some alleyway and um, approach work. So that is, those are those expenditures. So businesses don't have to pay for sidewalks? No, not in the commercial district. Why, why is that residents do? Uh, the DDA has the fund balance to do, to, to undertake those, that project, that expense. Um, and it aligns perfectly with our development plan. So, um, and, and that's the guiding document for the DDA's uh, activities. So that's, uh, we could do it, so we did. Thanks. Thank you. I want to make a motion to accept the disbursement report. So moved. You guys have a motion? Hmm? You have a motion? Make the motion to approve the disbursement report. Second. Is the motion second? Is there any other discussion? Hearing none, roll call, please. Roll call. Council Member Jennings? Yes. Mayor Pro Tem Cantor? Yes. Council Member Kinez? Yes. Council Member Miller? Yes. Mayor Garrett? Yes. Motion Next, we have a public comment for items on the agenda tonight, and the speakers are limited to three minutes. Is there anyone that is in the audience that would like to speak about anything that is on the agenda tonight? Hi, my name is Elaine Mantinen. I just want to talk about um, the item agenda of moving this meeting to the community room. Um, and I feel that that's a fiscally irresponsible move to move down there. Um, I'm here, there's... Um... At the most, there were 10. Yeah, you know, I think at one time there were 10 people here um, and there's consistently been, uh, you know, over 15 to 27 or 28, I think, online I saw. Um, you can't see behind me that well, but we do have plenty of empty seats. So there's really uh, plenty of room here for anyone who wants to attend. Um, and so I feel like that's the most responsible decision to make at this point for the city. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else that would like to um, comment about any items that's on the agenda tonight? anyone in the audience online. All right, let's move on to action requests for consideration of approval. First up is a resolution establishing charter amendment ballot proposal language 
I'm going to assume that you mean for cannabis. Say that it's not in the language. Uh, yes, sorry. I sorry about that. But yes, that is referring directly to cannabis. This is a result of uh, the discussion that was had at our last meeting on April 4th. Um, so uh, this is the exact same uh, draft charter amendment that uh, you've seen before. All right. So I'm assuming that city attorney is going to introduce that. Yes, please, sir. Yes, absolutely. So it was requested um, a couple times. There's been multiple discussions about ways to uh, put this issue before the residents for a vote whether or not they want to allow cannabis uh, establishments within the city. So uh, as it was discussed in the last study session, my recommendation and, and direction of who council intends to move forward is, is with a uh, proposed charter amendment that would prohibit cannabis establishments within the city of Laker Village. This works uh, a couple of ways. One, it, um, it not only does it Resolve the issue and answer the question once and for all uh, whether residents want cannabis in the city. It also is uh, more of a permanent solution to the problem. Once the charter is amended, to amend the charter subsequent to that is a difficult endeavor. So this this would ensure that uh, once the residents' voice has been heard, um, should they choose to opt out of the cannabis industry, that choice will remain and can't easily be undone by other parties. Uh, it also, it, it, again, it also preserves the protections that are in place right now with the city having an ordinance on the book, on the books that uh, identifies and establishes procedures uh, for obtaining a license. Uh, as discussed previously, if they're absent some sort of language uh, procedure in place, uh, in theory, the cannabis industry could operate anywhere in the city without any city input or regulation on it. So, um, this allows the remaining the existing ordinance to remain in place and it provides for a permanent solution again one way or another um, at the voice of the residents all right well, I'll, I'll move to uh, adopt the resolution establishing the charter amendment ballot proposal language and it's or, oh, okay. it doesn't have to what it is adopt resolution establishment. I'm not ready now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, do a charter amendment ballot proposal language <laughs> to, direct, to direct the city staff to forward the resolution to the appropriate approving agencies uh, for inclusion in the November ballot. Yeah, August ballot possible. I'm, I'm making a motion for the November ballot. So, is there a second for the motion that's on the floor? So that would be a discussion. Okay. Is there a second to the motion? That's second. Thank you. It's been moved and seconded. Now, is there any discussion? Yeah. yeah. So I, I made the motion to just say, you know, back in like January, I suggested we put it on the ballot um, because it will get, as, as Scott indicated, the, the ultimate decision from, from the residents. I know this was brought up to the last council when we were um, approving the ordinance. And while I think most of the, the last council felt that that was a good idea, because of the timing of everything involved, there was there was no way that we could um, put it on the ballot without, given, given the, the minimum amount of time that we, given the amount of time that was necessary relative to the amount of time that we, we had. So um, I'm glad to have put this on the, on the ballot because, as I said, I think this is the way to get the right answer, um, find out what the residents want. 
Um, and as far as you know, I know you're going to talk, I think, in a second about putting on the August ballot. I, I really feel like it should go on the November ballot because this is a big election in November that's going to draw the most number of people out in order to get the best decision from the residents. We want to have the most people voting on this um, so that we truly know what the residents want and can go from there. So. Any further discussion? August would make more sense because that would have been out. Kind of a major issue Plus, it moves this whole thing forward. If we're either going to move ahead or we're going to bring on. We'll have a resolution in August as opposed to waiting to November. If I may, uh, Councilwoman uh, Kness, <clears throat> under the 20, 2022 election dates and planning calendar for filing deadlines for the uh, County and local proposals. It says petitions to place in the county and local questions on the August primary ballot needs to be filed uh, with the county or local clerks by uh, April 26th by 5 p.m. Correct. You got it ready to go. And then the, the wording needs to be done by May uh, 10th at 4 p.m. Yeah, I think it'll bring people, I think that would definitely bring people out in August, but August will definitely have a much lower turnout than, than we'll have for, for a national election in November. Any further discussion? I just I just kind of agree because I think we can't really necessarily um tell people about the actual uh proposal am i correct or we could give them but, but we can't like you know so it won't i don't think we will be able to personally give or like make sure that people will vote come out on in august but with the november election we can ensure that people will come out during the election right? we have a responsibility to educate people we need to do that at either either time so you know, if they're just coming in November, just without being, we, we can put out educational materials. We can't advocate for a yes or a no, but we can right. put out educational materials, which I mean, we'll have to right, do. We can put that out, but I'm just saying we're depending on people listening to us or I'm just going to vote because I'm going to vote. You know what I'm saying? Like it will actually be their concern to go out and vote. Like nine times out of 10, you're not going to depend on a lot of people to come out to vote in August. That's well, something like this, it would, it would definitely bring people out. Do we have a primary election here in August? Of course you do. Because it's those okay, so it's not, it's not an additional fee to have a special election or anything like that. Let's vote on it. Roll call, please. Council Member Jennings? Yes. Councilmember Kendez. We're voting on it for November or just one time? It's a motion on the floor is for November. No. Councilmember Miller? No. Mayor Garrett? Yes. Mayor Pro Tem Cantor? Yes. Motion carries. Next up, we have the adoption of final delinquent special assessment role. Yes, Mayor and Council. The last, um, back in January, you had a public hearing on the delinquent role for delinquent water bills. We also have some trash pickup. We, um, there's also nuisance cuts that are included on the list. 
and um, we've had people paying them off. I think on our water, we were at like 300,000 at one time. We're, back, we're down to about 159,000 right now that is still delinquent on the water. Um, this is the last, um, the final delinquent that you have to adopt so that I can start pulling them from their people's accounts and putting them onto the tax bills. They will not be pulled until after the first week of May because I have, um, they have to roll my system over from the county so that I can start putting them on. So they will not be pulled from people's accounts until May, but we do need to have this approved. Thank you. I'll make a motion to adopt the final one. Second. I'll move the second. Is there any discussion? It's so hard to believe that there's $175,000 of outstanding water. And as we say every year, they're going to get your money back. Right, exactly. Because the county will give us our money back. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then they go after it. Exactly. Yeah, well, a lot, a lot of people do that because they think they can, that it goes on their tax roll and they think they can deduct it off their taxes, which they cannot do. Mm -hmm. Legally, anyway. All right. Any other discussion? Hearing none, roll call, please. Roll call. Councilmember Canez? Yes. Councilmember Miller? Yes. Mayor Garrett? Yes. Mayor Proton Cancer? Yes. Councilmember Jennings? Yes. Motion carried. Thank you. So we removed holding the council meetings in the community room, but then we're going to replace that with uh, voting on, on the tower. Uh, city Attorney, do you have some verbiage that you would like to see for that or just? I think it's whatever um, whatever the pleasure of council is from the discussion in the study session. I gathered that it was to the status quo. Um, so I think you could direct staff to uh, convey to the various uh, organizations that have expressed interest in purchasing our contract out on the tower okay. uh, that we're not interested. Okay. I'll, I'll make a motion for the uh, city administrator to um, alert simple AMT Hearing none, um, roll call, please. Roll call. Councilmember Miller? Yes. Mayor Garrett? Yes. Mayor Proton Cantor? Yes. Councilmember Jennings? Yes. Councilmember Canez? Yes. Motion carried. Thank you. City Administrator Report. Uh, I just uh, I wanted to bring up, we did, I, I know at least uh, one other council person may have received this other, e this email about uh, a cannabis related uh, listening session, I think is what they, they called it. I, I just want to let you all know the city is not participating. I've made it clear to the, the organizer of the event that no, the city is not going to help you promote your event and that um, I've asked them to make it very clear that who's hosting the event um, so that there's no confusion excuse me um but that we felt it was important to that we keep the um integrity of our cannabis application process um in place and that we weren't going to be risking any implications of impropriety 
um, on the city's part by helping promote this event. So I just wanted to make you all aware since I wasn't sure exactly who may have uh, received that information. So I guess I'd like to ask the advice of the city attorney um, about council members attending that since I believe that I'm guessing everybody's been invited to it. Not familiar with the event. I honestly, the today when I got the email this morning, it was the first time I had heard of the event. It was um, when the uh, community room was booked. It was just called a a listening a listening opportunity. I think is what they told staff. So um, I was no one was aware it was a cannabis event um, until this email. So it sounds like uh, they just want to. Listen to the community. Okay. I mean, you, again, the cautionary for council, if they were to appear, um, obviously you can go, uh, don't engage in any discussions or deliberations as a group. Uh, I, I guess my question- Probably not the best type of an event to be at, uh, right. but you know, that's, I'll leave that to your personal choice. Right. I, I guess my question was more along the lines of, you know, could that be perceived as supporting a, a given vendor, which we don't want to do, as she said, we want to make sure it remains impartial um, and, and, the, and that the perception of, of the process should it move forward is impartial. Yeah, I mean, again, it's hard for me to, oh, she, uh, yeah, I, um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's an interesting, you know, uh, concept but and i don't think it's really anything that it looks like it's more geared towards uh, uh, industry employees uh and maybe what what they intend to do with with their unionization efforts uh, but i'm not if council members go i would just you know you can go and observe but i wouldn't really uh, take a position on anything and certainly not uh, you know advocate for or against anything yeah, it's in the community room. I mean, it's a legitimate, it's a legitimate uh, event that has been, you know, they, a, a legitimate rental. I just wanted to make you all aware that it is in a way, shape or form. Yeah, uh, right. And I, and I, that was something I did ask them to change, make it very clear who's hosting and that it is not the public services office one. That's not what it's called. And two, that kind of makes it seem like we're partners and we're not. So I just, but that I just wanted to make you aware of all of that. Can you uh, send it to us when they make the change, the flyer, just so we know that they make it or if, if they do send it to if you. They, if, they, if, they, if, they, if they send me the change, I will absolutely send it to you. Okay. Um, and I guess for the city administrator report, no, I'd like to grab something. We, we've had uh, some discussions. Uh, there have been some complaints on C-Click Fix. One of them recently was regarding the 11 mile Santa Barbara intersection there where the um, foliage was clear cut. Um, we did receive uh, an email dated April 14th uh, thanking the city for clear cutting that. It's been a problem area for the residents uh, that surround that area. Um, it has been clear cut, the uh, trees and shrubs are gone, and then the um, stumps were just ground on April 12th. So when the weather clears up, we'll get some, uh, get clean, cleaned up and leveled and, and get it reseeded uh, from there. But that brings up a number of other 
areas in the city that uh, we're starting to get complaints about as well. And I, I did speak with uh, Councilman uh, Bruce Cantor about it. Um, there is, I believe, there's five other sections that are city-owned property that are somewhat overgrown uh, with uh, bushes, some down trees, and uh, we are we do have another complaint regarding uh, Wiltshire, Blackstone, Somerset. There's a triangle there, and the residents are asking for it to be cleaned up. So I'm just looking for direction from council on how they would like us to handle those city-owned properties. Sounds like a study session discussion. Yeah, yep. At this point, yeah, we should. Uh, well, we probably need to discuss how much we're going to clean them up. Yeah. <laughs> clean it up, but you should have a plan for replacement. You just don't want to leave grass. Well, replacement we and maintenance. Should, so that's we why we should have right. a plan, right? We should have a plan, right? right. right. So we should have a probably just a study session about it. Right. You send out a um a doodle. Oh, oh, oh. I did have something. Else. Can we get photos or addresses of the ones you're getting complaints about. Where did I? So we know what we're looking at. Where did I? Know, put I know sticky one by one that we just had a study session. Okay. All right. Good time. Yeah. Well, right now the one that shows up on Sequick Fix is Wiltshire, Blackstone, Somerset. And I've heard multiple complaints about that. And just figuring if we're going to look at that area as a second area to address, we might as well encompass all of these city properties that are overgrown. I mean, but they've been that way since I've been here for 26 years. So again, it's another area that would have to be maintained. Yeah, yeah. the timing. No, no, I, no, I agree with him, but then they're looking worse. They haven't looked like they're spilling out over the fence. Right. What I'm thinking of. It's supposed to be maintained in a little fence area that's like all so you're out. talking about red river and morningside yes. yeah, yeah well, well, i think that was a designated a butter, butterfly <laughs> garden or something. yeah i've yeah. never seen a butterfly <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> even they don't like that garden <laughs> but, but the timing is good because if we talk we you know we have a study session what, next, not next week but two weeks where, where are we yeah, where are we so we were on the 18th it'll be the, the first week of may um because we're getting into budgeting season and obviously that's not only going to be affect the budget not only from the perspective of actually doing the clear cutting, but um, or you know whatever we decide to do as council, but we also have to maintain it. Right. So it's good budget discussion as well. Yeah. And along those same lines, we're going to be discussing a tree trimming program throughout the city. Um, it's something that's on our radar. I've talked to DPS about it. They they can help out, but they are not equipped to do a true tree trimming program. So we currently have a contract with Dave's Tree Service. And uh, I'll be in contact with them to see what they can do for the city. And then we can sit down as a group and talk about it. Mayor, I did have one other um, one other item I wanted to make sure I talked to you all about. Okay. Um, I We heard from Joyce Parker, uh, the uh, city administrator uh, posting has, uh, has closed. We have, um, 15, uh, possibly 16 uh, applicants for for the position. Um, Joyce would like to schedule a time to meet with council. Um, she has suggested the, let's see, she suggested the 3rd, 5th, 9th, 
10th and 11th of May. The 9th, none of those are meeting dates right now. Um, the 9th is a Monday. Um, so you have previously said that Mondays are Mondays are preferable if we're going to do uh, additional special meetings. We talked about it um, briefly uh, in regards to the budgeting budget sessions. So Monday the 9th may be uh, a good option since you've all, like I said, indicated Monday's work. Um, the third is a Tuesday. The fifth is a Thursday. And then um, the 10th and 11th are Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Those are both within the first two weeks of the month. So we could say six o'clock. Sure. Okay. Not the fifth. Okay. Yeah, not, not the fifth. But yeah, the ninth works. It's a Monday. We usually do on Monday. Mm -hmm. Councilwoman Miller, would the ninth work? Councilwoman Knez with the ninth work. Okay, thank you. Then we'll go with the ninth. I'll let Joyce know and I will invite her here for that day. Thank you. City Attorney. Um, Sockwell meeting was a April 13th. Um, it's a discussion about the Great Lakes Water Authority and the, uh, all the money that Highland Park owes. Um, there isn't anything, no action yet. They're hoping to resolve the issue right now. Um, Highland Park. Great Lakes Water Authority is being made whole, even though Highland Park isn't paying them, but they're made, being made whole by the other member communities, making up that difference. Um, they are requesting that we write a letter to the governor, um, which I think that we should do, but I'm also concerned because our residents are getting hit on that, and then they're also getting hit on our 40% water loss. So, um, you know, it's doesn't seem quite right that we're writing a letter to the governor about that when we haven't haven't solved that problem yet and our residents are are making up that difference. So um, I have some samples of the letter that at the next meeting. Uh, also, the 2021 consumer confidence reports are out. I'm not sure how that's handled. Um, seen it yet? They. Uh, must be distributed by resident to residents by July 1st. Um, Eagle will impose fines if we don't meet the deadline. Each community is requested to send their ALS published consumer confidence report and the completed certificate of distribution to Eagle and to Open County Health Department. Um, and there's uh, instructions and said that was sent to the community. So I said I don't know who gets that information. That's Scott McKee on here as the emergency contact correct so i don't know i have not gotten a okay i've not received any okay all right i will check with them and then also uh the eagle um lead and copper testing 
Um, samples must be collected and analyzed between June 1st and September 30th. Um, so the SACWA will be providing um, sample bottles to each community and we'll be, we'll be coordinating the delivery of samples to Paragon Labs for analysis. We encourage each community to collect the required samples by August 31st. Um, SACWA will be budgeting to pay for the lead and copper testing during 2023. Um, and apparently this is a change in the system. They are, uh, Eagle is requiring all communities report on the number of lead service lines that were replaced in 2021. So that's another report that has to be submitted to Eagle by um, April 30th. Although future use reports will be due on March 31st. Have you received the rates yet? No. Okay. There, uh, the, May board meeting, uh, they're gonna be meeting with advisory committee of each authority to review general manager's recommendations. May board meeting will present an overview of the 2022-23 budget. Um, and then June, June board meeting, there'll be a public hearing on the budget and the final budget will be adopted. I do not have I forgot the question about that, Karen. Um, yeah, I did a whole set of questions to bring up um, about that. Um, yeah, so it's, a, it's you know, Highland Park is in debt by about $55 million to, to Galiwa, and uh, of that, about $23 million of that debt has been made by Oakland County, so we've been, we've been covering, um, averaging out to about $75 to $100 per, per homeowner. Um, so was there any talk at that meeting um, for, for SACWA communities? Um, so what's happening, for example, with Lane, uh, there's about 20 communities that have um, put their they water their payments money in, in, escrow. into escrow and, and not paying it, as, 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 and that's starting to happen in Macomb as well. There are other kind of, uh, communities in Macomb doing that. And is it something that SACWA is talking about or is it something that we they're, need to consider? They're talking, no, SACWA would do it, but we're, um, they're talking about it. They didn't want to have any impact on the trial yet. They said that, um, the judge is uh, very um, traditional and he believes that this process will work out this you know, set way. Well, so we all pay. <laughs> well, right, well, yeah. right. But but also they don't want to impact it because Gliwa has the suit against Highland Park, but Gliwa hasn't lost any money. They've been made whole. So they don't really have a, um, a case to say, hey, you know, you need to, they need to pay us and because they have received the money so there has been there was talk we're going to talk about it at the next meeting about um putting in an escrow and uh, one of the members from another community said that um perhaps if we put pressure on gliwa that they weren't getting all of their funding then that perhaps it would give them more motivation to you know get things settled because right now it really isn't impacting impacting them like it's impacting the communities and residents Right. Well, personally, I think we should at least consider, you know, sending a letter and saying, I mean, I think the, the water loss issue, I mean, I, I don't think there's, I mean, I think those are separate issues and we're working on the water loss issue and it's unfortunate that we're, we have such a high water loss, but that shouldn't stop us from, um, you know, trying to pressure the state to do the right thing with respect to Toledo because that ends up hitting us down the line. Like I said, about 75, like McComb is uh, 75 to uh, 
they're averaging seventy-five to one hundred dollars per, you know, per household. So that's a lot of money every year. Um, were you, were you done? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, for infrastructure, I can't remember if we had a council meeting since our last infrastructure meeting or not. But uh, stop me if I'm giving a duplicate report. But um, the, the one big thing we talked about at our last infrastructure meeting, we had um, uh, Ferguson in to talk to us about um, uh, the possibility and, and, and the technology and how we would go about um, replacing the technology. So one of the things in the in the capital improvement bond was there was money set aside to replace all of the water meters. And there, there's some obvious concerns and questions about replacing all the water meters. Um, but one of the big things that we wanted to do as part of that process was replace all the technology that wraps around the water meter. So all the, the transmitters, basically, long story short, what we want to do is be able to sit in this office downstairs and be able to read all the meters in real time, um, as opposed to having to spend 50, 50 days of time a year to have people driving around the city trying to get reads. Um, it, it's a much less, uh, uh, it's a much more inefficient system the way that we're doing it right now. And so we, we had a presentation um, and all of our current equipment is compatible with um, wrapping just the technology piece around it. We wouldn't even have to do it. anything in anybody's homes. The antennas that people already have are compatible with a centralized solution. Um, and so we're, we're continuing to look, look into that as, as an option. Um, and the nice thing is, is, is that we, if we decide to do that um, and we put that uh, centralized system in place, uh, if we decide, you know, next year that, yeah, we do need to replace the meters, then that hasn't, we haven't lost anything because they're, they're separate and independent. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll look into that. And so I think that was the, the major uh, discussion at, at the last two of our meetings. So I am. Getting locked in, of course. <laughs> um, any other committees, uh, commissions? Any unfinished or new business? Yeah, a couple of things there. See? I knew it was going to be somewhere. Yourself. I wasn't sure where it was going to come in. At, one, one was, the, I guess, one is the city clerk. Um, I don't remember where we left it, but I know last time you know, we had some discussion about uh, upgrading the, the salary. Try to entice you know one of the prior candidates to yeah yes it was it was done yeah so were there any results of, of that nope so still no takers no takers and they were still saying that not enough money um we haven't gotten any bites on the on that posting but my question is, when we circle back to the other candidates that we had that we had made offers to, who turned us down to say that we were increasing the amount of money associated with position? Uh, there was one I didn't reach out to her. Did you happen to? I can do that tomorrow. No, okay. I that. The other two already have taken position. Yeah. Yeah. Two or three. And then the other thing I wanted to bring up, which was, which was uh, Dennis Nardo's issue. Uh, uh, Started talking about it a couple of times a little earlier. I think I passed out his email and pictures. Um, you know, as as he discussed, you know, and, and I live in that area, so I I'm very well aware of this issue, which is you know coming out of Lakeland Boulevard going south 
to get out of the service drive and then go across to end up going east on 696 or on the service drive. Um, it's, it's like playing Frogger um, if, you're, if you're doing it during uh, anywhere near rush hour. Um, there are signs there that say keep intersection clear, but they are obviously not effective at all. And um, what Dennis um, uh, sent us a picture of was another intersection, similar intersection, where they put a mesh pattern on the road. They do that in New York City a lot, and it's pretty effective there. Um, and to me, this seems like a very low cost, you know, uh, potential solution to uh, to that issue. At least it gives, gives residents kind of a uh, something to look at to see that you know they shouldn't be on that on that spot, which could hopefully open that up and make it easier for residents to cross and, and reduce the accidents, I believe. You can that's one of the most accident prone areas of our city. Yeah, unfortunately with the grade coming off the freeway and the speeds that they're traveling. I mean, we even looked at uh, when I was talking with the road commission about putting a light there. There's just they're coming right. too fast. Right. So I, I don't know where we would go with the light. We I mean that would be something we would have to look into, but it's not giving them enough time to see the light slow down because they're coming so fast off the ramp. I have not seen the intersection that you're speaking of right now. Yeah, I have not seen that. Yeah. So it's basically just putting a, a cross hatching over, over the intersection to, to indicate that, uh, uh, you know, with the appropriate signage that, that cars shouldn't, shouldn't be in that section. And when I was reading for that, the, uh, there's a stop it stop, they have stops spelled out in the street or is there a sign next to it? Well, there's the sign that says do not block intersection. That's going to be an additional. Well, we have, we have to, we can, and one of the ones that has to be many signs over, over the last several years when you talk about the sign on South Hill Road, and I counted once in the tenth of a mile up to South Hill Road, I think there was something 46 signs. So you get to the point where Nobody reads any of these signs because it's so overwhelming. Because there's, when I brought it up in council like a couple of years ago, we couldn't do anything because there were all the road commission signs. Um, but you know, Dennis's point was, you know, the the um, don't block intersection sign. It's on a post that's got three other, two or three other signs along with it. So we could also, you know, change the signage a little bit and you know, maybe have a standalone sign saying, a whole sign saying, you know, don't block intersection. Um, and, and move those other signs further down or, or what have you. So the other the other thing that we could discuss, but it's going to include you know MDOT and the Road Commission, is temporarily blocking off that bridge to traffic and funneling them all the way around the, the Michigan left. So that way traffic could not, if you were north of 696 or north of 11 Mile, you couldn't go south and cross over the 696 bridge. So again, that can be a discussion, but we would definitely have to include other partners in that to see if that actually is feasible. I don't know if it is, but it's something that we've discussed mm -hmm. uh, in the past. And, and to just kind of tag on to that, I, I, I know we should be hearing something soon from MDOT about their plans for that intersection. Um, we know it's coming, I want 2025. They're letting this in. I, well, there's, they're doing, they're letting, hold on, give me a second. They're letting the, the next 20, it'll be 2024. They will be doing some work 
at that intersection. I don't know how extensive it's going to be. Um, we had a representative from MDOT reach out to myself and Scott Ringler like a year and a half ago, right? We're like, hey, what's going on? But so we could ask them as they get closer, you know, as we start, as they start communicating with us about redesigning that intersection, I, that's an awesome opportunity to address those safety concerns um, and also uh, address the pedestrian concerns because no one likes crossing that intersection either. So, um, well, the gang will all be there, right. For discussion. So I think I've, and I did ask them about, I did, I did actually ask them about the curb for that. Um, and just said, Hey, I don't know what your plans are, but we would like to get this fixed. So like, Oh, we'll look into it. So The signage is there is good. There is one good bold sign on each side. It is a part of the totem pole signs on one side, which is confusing. I, I read one of those signs for the first time today in three years because we're always looking around. The sign is here and we're looking back there. But anyway, uh, the message is don't block the intersection. The, the rest of the paragraph would be when the light turns red down the street and traffic backs up to the point, don't block the intersection. But that's a lot to communicate. And uh, that cross-hatching basically uh, gives a lot of intuitive cues. And so the one guy over here in the left lane that actually read the sign and stopped, people see why he stopped. They can figure it out. Uh, I mentioned in, in my email that there was a sign at the other place that said, something to that effect. I went back there, there was no sign there at all, but I figured it out. That's what it told me. And I thought it was in a sign. <laughs> uh, what you need, there's so much going on there. The exit, uh, the merging of the traffic off the freeway and then- um, Can't see. I mean, we, we, all, we all get it, it's complicated, but this is a simple intuitive way of communicating. If you see somebody stopping and you see all that cross hatching, I probably should stop too with the rest of them. It gives us more of a chance, at least when the light turns red down the block to get across. It's not gonna stop traffic in between because they see somebody wants to cross the street. That's that's not gonna happen. Another, another possibility, it can be a little bit more, more expensive than just putting down the, the paint or the tape or, or the cross hatching, but we could also have, you know, talk to the board commission about putting an overhead sign over those lanes that says, you know, block intersection or something like that. Thank you. Um, is there any other unfinished or new business? Any public comment? And there was no one else in the other room, right? No, there was not. Okay. I don't see any public comment. Jason Hammond. Oh, you are unmuted, sir. Hi, can you guys hear me okay? Uh, can you guys hear me okay? Yes, yep. sir. Okay. 
at the last council meeting, there was a resident that said that uh, public during the public comment section, she said this about council member Miller, Karen is always willing to talk uh, out any problem or any situation with the resident. Keep asking questions, keep looking and digging because that's how we are all going to be on the same page eventually, because we'll all know the same knowledge and we'll have an idea about what everybody's talking about. Now, I've come to understand that Council Member Miller has been posting about city issues such as the sidewalk replacement project on the villagers page on Facebook, but I personally can't confirm that myself because I can't see her posts. I don't know why. I assume that she has me blocked on Facebook, but uh, I can't see her posts. So I'm wondering how can we all have an idea about what everybody's talking about if we cannot all see what council members are posting about city issues on social media channels. Uh, I have emailed council member Miller twice about my inability to see her post on villagers and I've asked her if she has me blocked, but I haven't received a response yet. So my questions are, is the villagers page on Facebook an authorized communication channel for the city? And if it is, shouldn't all residents be able to see what our elected officials are posting on that channel? So to that end, I want to encourage the city council to establish a formal documented communication plan for the city so it is clear what communication channels are approved for communication between the city and residents and business owners, who in the city is responsible for each one of these communication channels, and what residents and business owners can expect from the city from each of these channels. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else that wants to do a public comment? I don't see anyone on uh, Zoom. Okay. And um, down to Mayor and Council comments. Um, from the meeting on Monday, we uh, talked about speed bumps, speed bumps, speed humps down Laker Boulevard and various streets. Um, I have had the pleasure of going over three different kinds, um, some of which probably knocked my muffler a little bit. Um, another one doesn't really slow you down whatsoever. And then there seems like there's some plastic ones. Yes, they're reusable. Yeah, but sustainable. So we, we've gone through this discussion right. over the years and the plastic ones have to be staked to the ground. So there's damage to them. Uh, they're you hit them with a the snow plow. I mean, it, it just really tears up the road. Even with speed bumps, you're looking at the degradation of that road from cars bottoming out. So, I mean, we've had Scott Ringler here before to discuss the, the issues with uh, speed bumps and humps and, and whatever. So it, it's it's tough to do. I know, I know there's complaints all the time about speeding. Um, and that's where we ended up getting our speed signs from to try to again to curb or slow down people in the, in the neighborhoods. Um, I, I don't have a good solution for everybody except for you know if they call and make complaints about uh, whatever intersection or, or parts of the roadway, we do try to address those on a regular basis and we'll do the best we can to try to address anybody's concerns if they just uh, send me an email, I'd be happy to uh, look into it. When the gentleman came to the presentation, that was the last council, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah the, the, the thing that was pretty telling for me, I, mean, I, you know, I like the idea of, of them, and if we wanted, we could afford it. Right. But the, but you know, we get a lot of, I get, I agree, I'm sure we all do get a lot of uh, questions about that from um, from residents. But the, the 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 key thing that that was told us at that presentation was that you can't just put down one speed hump 
you know, it's got to be part of an overall um, planned out system because if you put down one, then what all that's going to do is divert the cut through traffic, for example, to the next street over and Correct. the next street over. So it has to be part of a kind of holistic, holistic plan, um, which, you know, means that we have to have the money to come up with being able to do a holistic plan. Right. Um, and I guess you, you know you just made me think of another thing, especially considering that it's budget. Did season. you take all of my comments? No, I didn't. Go ahead. I'll stop. No, go ahead. I mean, it's budget season, so I mean, you know, it might be worthwhile to put in for you know one or two more of those uh, radar signs. I mean, if we have more of them, we can deploy them on a somewhat more permanent basis in some of those the, the key areas. If we were going to do that, I would look at something. Uh, I would upgrade them to more of a solar because again, we're, we've, we're going back out every couple of days to change out batteries. Right. We've got to, you know, it's not bad to download the data because it's all Wi-Fi. but if we could keep those running with a, a solar power. Uh, My question is, do you think that it's, it's cut back on the speeding on these streets? Because I mean, it, it's one to have the data and another to make it stop or to slow down the traffic. I think it does. I think it it lets people know how fast they're going there. They get a visual. I mean, it's blinking, it's showing their speed. I mean, again, you're gonna have your your rogue people are gonna see how fast they can go in a short period of uh, a block or two. But I mean, if you truly look at the data that we're getting, you know, we're, we're obtaining from these, I think the average speed is like 19 miles an hour. So our, our overall speed is actually pretty low. Um, and you know, I some people sitting in their living room watching a car go by, it seems like it's going a lot faster than it truly is. So, and I, I mean, I'm guilty of that on my my own street with kids walking up and down the sidewalk, you know, hey, he's flying by. Well, no, he's really not. He's probably doing about 26. So, um, anyway, I I think it helps. I think it truly does, and and, and it gives us the documentation when we are questioned. We can show it. I mean, I've got all of the data for the last year saved on a computer. So if somebody wants to see it, I have it. How about rumble strips? <laughs> no, and I'm not being, I'm not joking about it, first of all. So what I mean by rumble strips is at the beginning of the streets, if you get what I'm saying. So at the beginning of Lathrop Boulevard mm -hmm. at 12 miles, at the end at 11, I mean, starting when you're coming into it, just to say, you know, so I would really, I would truly defer to uh, Open County Road Commission. I mean, they, I mean they would you be said the that. I invited them to our next meeting. There we go. Oh, I did. <laughs> How often do you leave it in the one spot? So at, at times we try to leave them about four weeks oh. and then we, we bounce them around. So have they been on Lake Boulevard yet? Yeah, they've been. <laughs> that's actually <laughs> the primary place they, they've been. And it's currently right now on uh, Lathrop and Abilo right now. That's one of them. The other one I believe is on uh santa barbara and roseland right now yes it is when i saw you have two um nothing else any other council person would like to say something oh yes i'm sorry yes we Yes, I um I have a letter, an updated letter, ready to go to Miss Price. So, um, I I try to recall all of our all of our questions at once. So um the the meeting was, uh, as we had discussed, I think she had a question about the notice. Um, 
the meeting had been noticed originally for the 28th. Um, it was uh, delayed because we needed additional additional information. So it was re-noticed. Hmm? I intended to send it out in the mail today, but I just couldn't get to the mailbox. It'll go out first thing tomorrow. Yep. Um, and then just FYI that when a, a resident or anyone uh, emails all of us, I can't, well, no one should respond all. And uh, I respond and keep the city administrators on there. And is there an option for her to come back in front of us since no resident didn't no. approval? No, her her case is uh, complete at uh, ZB. Your role in the ZBA, there's no um, option for her to come to city council if she would like to appeal the decision. Uh, the ZBA made she has to go to circuit court. And you said the other the other resident did not have I don't know. I can't get into all. All for the most part, all of our files are downstairs, so I can't get into the basement yet to go through our ZBA files um, to uh, to verify to see if there was something in those files, some the paper files that we have um, about a variance for that site. So, um, I who said that they did not have a said they did have approval in the letter in the email that she sent to all of us she said oh you're saying the resident said they had approval from the city she said the the resident across the street had approval from the city oh she so, talked to that resident i guess okay i think the, the important thing to note about a, a, a zoning variance is different from and it's it's unique to the and correct me if i stated it incorrect but uh, it's unique to the particular property so what happened on, a, on another property has no bearing on what happens on, on this, this this particular property the variants are based on the uniqueness of the property um, and every property is different so every zone that's, that's, that's true but leanne talked about setting not setting a precedent so that was there, there is something that comes in um that if and again i don't know which parcel or which uh Residents' property she's referencing, so I very general. But if the, let's say the city were to grant routinely a variance that was requested before for the same type of an issue, and then the decision for a particular individual was to not grant the request, there could be a case made that the, the city had acted in an arbitrary or capricious manner in not granting that request. However, um, as we talked about and as as Bruce indicated, that it is it is evaluated on a site by site. And the criteria are spelled out. Um, again, looking having looked back at it, I think the, the board came to the appropriate decision given the facts of that 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 site and that application. Um, uh, that being said, you know, if, if you're right. If she if she disagrees with that, then her next course of uh, action would be with the circuit court. Do you have anything else, Mark? Oh yeah. Right. Recreation. So I, um, there was one part where you said we're not supposed to engage with uh, staff, but I've been approached by the gal that came up and she wants me to put something together with the recreation committee. 
So two things. Um, I think when I met with Pam, they're coming out of that particular committee that was put together. Didn't we say they're uh, June of 22 in all that committee, they're a two-year run? Does anybody know on that? Well, that's their term, that's the term date. Yeah, the term date. So um, if they're going to put another group together, maybe we should post that. There's going to be more openings for that position, for that group. Well, they'll, or they'll have really to reapply. reapply. Yeah, exactly. yeah. And it probably should be posted. If their terms are coming to an end, there should be soliciting new applications mm -hmm. right. for individuals who can be on that advisory committee. And then Susie is the person that was hired. Will she be? Yes. Yes. Yep. Yeah. I just have a couple of things. Um, the water service line uh, agreement that we have. Do we get? We get money from them, don't we? Yes, we do. Yes. Yes. Okay. And um, they just send the things out with our logo and their logo, and so it is a joint partnership. And they do a sign by councilness. Okay. All right. A couple of residents that were confused about that. All and right. I will say that it is a great service. You hear some gurgling. They come right out. You pay for absolutely nothing. It's just like $72 a year. Um, then the SGRX saves. I can't remember. Do we get money from them also? No, uh, no money. No money from them. Um, but we do get the resident. That's the discount card that. Right. But we, we don't get anything. No. Okay, so then why are, are they advertising our time? That's for the card. That's for the savings card. That it's for the residential savings well, card. But no, they put that in for. They put that um that graphic um together. I mean, they've been putting together marketing materials and and you know they've. That we have to put out because because that was one of the questions I asked when we came. Who's responsible for marketing this program? And they said, oh, we take care of all of that. So I was kind of surprised. Yeah, they put it in there. Here. Well, but there was something we'd also discussed with them was that we would be able to put it out in the city e-newsletter as well as the print newsletter to help make sure that residents were aware of the program. They put they put all of that information together. I just plopped it in the space available. So um Yeah, that's. I, I, I get that, but there's a lot of businesses that are for the residents that could do something. I, I, I don't know. I'm sorry, I'm just surprised to see this. You said you did agree to that. Well, we. Yeah. yeah. We agreed to that. And we, I mean, we're they're sending us. We, Who's we agreed to? Council. Well, I specifically asked about marketing, and this is not them. This is not them doing the marketing. This is us doing the marketing. So maybe this could have been used for something else for the city. Uh, if we want to do this with other businesses, maybe we. You know, give other businesses an opportunity. Um, I said it's a service, but if we're not getting anything back from it, well, the city isn't financially getting anything back from it, but the residents are certainly benefiting from the well, discount. So I, I mean, I guess I, that's, I, that to me was uh, a fair trade-off in terms of. I mean, we don't accept uh, ads from 
from businesses in the community or outside the community, but since this is something on which we're partnering, it makes sense to put it in there. They are also providing us with, um, we're, we're just waiting on the prescription cards. Um, we've got, we do have information that we will be putting out on the tables that they're going to be distributing, you know, providing to us. So. Okay. But we're partners. What are, what are we getting out of it as a city? That's what I'm asking. Yes. It's a service. It's whatever, but there's a lot of things that are like that. We're getting, if we're getting, um, funding from, um, from the waterline company where we use the city logo and their, their logo. I mean, this is the same thing. So, you know, what do we, what would you like to see? What kind of, what would you like to see? I would like to see if this is a joint venture and a joint partnership and we're doing their marketing for them. I, I would like to see that we would get some benefit. Like a financial benefit? I'm just, okay. We're even paying for part of the newsletter. I mean, these are, you know, expensive with color printing and whatever. So, you know, just something I said. But I only noticed it because that was a specific question I had for them was about who's who's doing the marketing, who's responsible for this. Well, and I, I they put together all of that marketing piece. You know, that that's not something that, if I had tried to put that together, it would have taken me a whole lot of time. So well, I know, but you shouldn't put it together. Right, right. So they, I mean, so they put together that marketing piece. That's all. So. Um, does the city have a, a CRM, customer relation management system? No, not really. No? No. Okay. I mean, we use BSNA as our... Um, for CRM purposes, we have the capability of uh, putting notes in there. We have, um, you know, building department more so than the other program, other modules that we have. Um, but there, you know, all of our permits go in there. Notes can go in there. Actions, um, projects. I mean, there's a variety of different um, okay, capabilities. But no, it's not a CR. No. developing a communication plan. I think we probably need to look into something like that. A lot of our information is outdated with names and uh, you know contact information and um, can't get a hold of people and all that kind of stuff. So I think that's something that we probably should uh, definitely look at. I just wanted to know if we had anything like that. I, I know Salesforce is popular among um, many local governments and like MEDC, the county. Susie and I were talking about it. We thought it makes sense to go through the email and see what 
because there were a lot of homes that were directly affected who are probably having the same questions, um, as well as other people who drive by those homes pretty regularly who also have the same questions. So I'll just read this real quickly. Um, the CMS energy gas line replacement work for this year is complete. There were five streets that had new gas lines put in. Uh, San Rosa, Wiltshire, California, Cambridge, and Lathrop Boulevard, South 696, um, which affected a total of 136 homes uh, by that project. Um, the project uh, is being or was conducted by or is being conducted by CMS Energy, who uh, contracted all work out to Calt Excavating Incorporated, uh, including the landscape restoration work, which is known as soft restoration. Uh, gas line replacement work was done on these streets in the winter so that CMS Energy would be complete with all of their projects prior to the city beginning um, the paving work on those, on those same streets. Uh, Consumers Energy is consistently targeted after April 15th to begin the restoration. Uh, the ground needs to dry out and the future forecast has to be relatively dry for several days before work can be done. Uh, attempting to repair the damage without the ground being uh, at the appropriate level of dryness will only induce more damage. Uh, work will commence just as soon as the weather permits. The soft restoration includes uh, cleaning debris from the area, grading, uh, raking and smoothing the area, hydro seeding, and, and watering for two weeks. Um, it's uh, standard practice for any project-related restoration that the contractor is responsible for watering for the first two weeks, at which point the resident is given that responsibility. Uh, other damage, uh, tree damage, sprinkler damage, et cetera, will also be repaired at this time. And all labor and materials for these tasks is taken care of by the contractor at no cost to the resident. Um, the hard restoration, so that's things like side sidewalk repair, road patching, driveway repair, um, is also the responsibility of CALT's uh, excavation. Um, this work is going to be coordinated uh, uh, with 2022 uh, city construction projects uh, that are commencing this week. Um, because of the uh, excessive mess created by the multiple freezes and thaws that occurred while the gas-related work was being done, um, the soft restoration is going to occur as, as soon as possible. The goal is really to get these streets back to normal uh, as, as quickly as we can. Um, that said, um, please be aware that we know that um, with the subsequent paving of some of these streets this summer, um, there will likely be, and most likely will be, some additional damage and restoration work that will be necessary. Um, but uh, we wanted to get the get, a, get the, the streets restored, knowing that there still may be, be some additional restoration work that might be necessary. Um, CALTS uh, excavating is keeping a list of all restoration issues that they've noted, along with those concerns directly reported to them. Um, CALTS is responsible for all the damage. So uh, should you need to contact CALTS, uh, their phone number is 248-335-1717. For repeat, 248-335. 1717 extension three. And to contact Consumers Energy, uh, you can contact Sherry Payne uh, at Sherry Payne, uh, Sherry Payne at cmsenergy.com. And that's C H E R I dot Payne, P A Y N E. Um, it's also important to note that we're holding a $33,000 cash bond from Consumers Energy. Um, they don't get these funds back until the issues have been satisfactorily, satisfactorily resolved. Um, so if you have issues of any part of the restoration once it's complete, um, contact calls excavation immediately, but also please contact the city so that we're aware um, that there is a, a restoration issue. And then lastly, um, uh, the cost of the CMS project specifically is unavailable to us as we're not privy to that information, but um, this project is completely funded by CMS and, and no uh, taxpayer dollars are being used for that. Um, and then just a couple of real quick uh, follow-up questions from the administrators. Um, so uh, 
a month ago, we talked about uh, getting an ethics ordinance as soon as possible. And I know we, uh, Scott and I talked about that and, and we're really waiting to try to get a, a meeting set up. So can we get that set up and get a little poll out there for as soon as we can? Yes, I'll, uh, it was like herding cats the last time. So I'll uh, shoot for, I'll look for Monday since we've. Have a date in mind? No, no just, just as soon as we can get everybody together to have a conversation and start, start working on it. And we said for Monday the night, that was for what? That was uh, going to be the conversation about the city uh, administrator with Joyce. So can we do a um, two first? I won't be there. I won't be available tonight, but Leanne, Leanne will be here for this. So we can discuss both. You could, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Scott, be here. Leanne will be here. <laughs> I just asked the question. Just I just asked the question. Yeah, probably both. Okay. Um, then just a couple other questions. So, um, just out of curiosity, is the, is the backfilling for the water program is that started yet, or is working on that? Or We're working on that. Working on it? Okay. Um, and then mm -hmm. there was also, um, I know, for the water loss investigation. Uh, I think last week you were going to send Crush out to check the emergency connection just to verify that was closed. Did that ever happen? Yes, he did um, check that, and it was closed at the um, our. But he wants to. Um, he's trying to get a hold of Southfield to see if they have a, a place another place that they might have a connection that to us that we don't know about okay. so he was getting a hold of them oh one one other really minor thing i had, a, I had an elderly resident contact me um and uh what's that okay, older? Older. yeah i forgot this is political. Oh, new political. Right. i had an older resident um contact me and uh, you know she, she says that she watches the, the city access channel a lot and, and there, there's always like web addresses and she doesn't do web addresses and i know the phone number hasn't changed but she has requested that she put the phone number on there as well so it makes it easier for her to call the city so very minor but important we used to be able to have stuff at the bottom of the um screen if i'm not mistaken during council, oh, never mind, because that's when we taped it and then put it out. So, never mind, got it. Can't do that anymore. Anything else? Um, I don't really have a lot. I just wanted to, I'm just glad that we were able to get the ballot proposal language um, straight. Um, we all agreed, unfortunately, not, but uh, on the actual date, but <laughs> I'm just glad we were able to get it on the ballot and hopefully we can just depend on the residents to make their decision so that's all i have thank you there's nothing else i would entertain a motion for adjournment do you have your second public comment yeah i did my public comment before the mayor and council comments. I, 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 <laughs> <laughs> I really just don't want to leave that we need to talk about. I'll make a motion to uh, adjourn. Second. Many adjourn. Have a wonderful evening.